you have your Bibles this morning, if you'll turn to Matthew, the sixth chapter, uh, I woke up this morning and uh, for some reason had some of these passages on my mind. And so hopefully that's from the Lord. Uh, these section of passages that I'm going to read to you this morning uh, were some of my favorite when uh, I was a child. And I really don't know why, because I really had no idea what they meant. Um, but you know how kids will pick out uh, their uh, their favorite passages. I've noticed with our children uh, they'll, you know, when we would give them Bibles when they were young and could, you know, just really kind of halfway learn to read, I'd be flipping through their Bible one day and I'd find highlighted passages. And I would think, you know, what are you highlighting that for? You can't even read half those words, you know. But that's what we do as kids. And this was one of the section of passages that came to my mind this morning. I loved them as a child. I feel like it's very timely. And I wanted to read them to you. In Matthew, the sixth chapter, starting in verse 25, it says, Therefore, I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body and what you shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body more than raiment? Behold, the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? And why take, and why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothe the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O you, O ye of little faith? Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. And I'm going to stop there reading that passage. And we'll flip here a little bit looking around in God's word. The passage there closes with this statement. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. Now, I say that's a pretty good deal, right? That's a pretty good deal. For the Lord, by his own admission here, says, if you will seek first the kingdom, then all these things that you're worried about and all these things that you're fretting about will just go away. Now, I'm not saying that the, the, the presence of them will go away. But I'm talking about our mindset on how we deal with these things will go away. Because what, what is the topic here? The topic here is worry, is it not? Take no thought. Well, we, look, we've got, a, we've got a list a million miles long of things that we all worry about. You may worry about some things that I don't worry about that much. And I guarantee you I'll probably worry about things that you don't worry about that much. And they consume our minds, right? They are such obstacles in our minds that we are just constantly thinking about our health. We're thinking about our 401ks. We're thinking about our businesses. We're thinking about our relationships. We're thinking about our children. Will they grow up and will they continue to follow the Lord and do all these things and be obedient? Will they still be members in the church? Will they find godly loving spouses? It's just endless the things that can consume our minds that we worry about. And I love the passage that he says in here where he says, I want you to consider the lilies. Now, I don't know anything about flowers. I'm pretty sure I saw a rose in here. I don't know if there's any lilies up here or not. I have no idea what kind of flowers these are. 
But I want you to take a minute and just look at those flowers. These flowers were 100% in submission to the will of God. Because they don't have the ability to defy God like we do. 100% in submission of the will of God. And look how intricate and beautiful they are. The Bible says, consider the lilies. You know, we think about the rainbow. We see the rainbow in the sky. We think about the promise of God not to flood the earth again. We ought to consider the lilies more often. How many times do we walk by beautiful flowers and never stop to think about what the Lord said about them? That even Solomon on his very best day was not as beautiful and as intricately made as these flowers who are in total submission to his will. There's a promise right here in front of us that we never even notice. He says, consider the lilies. We ought to do that more often. So he says to us, he says, listen, I know you got a thousand, a jillion, million, billion things to worry about. I know that there are heavy things on your mind. And he says, but I want you to hold fast to this, that if you will seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness first, then you will find that all those things that you are worried about really won't be that heavy on your mind anymore. Right. I do not like worrying. I hate worrying and I try to avoid things that I know are going to make me worry. You know, here's a side note. If I can chase a rabbit for five seconds. One thing that God's people would do well to do. I was telling uh, the kids and Tiffany this yesterday. Is that Jesus made it a habit. To get away from everything. He made it a habit to go into a desert place. To go into places and just spend some time in the quiet. Well, here's our problem. When we have time to do that, bam, here comes our quiet time. There's our quiet time. This is not getting away from everything. This is finding more things to worry about. I have said it, and I'll say it to the ends of the earth, and I'm like, Brother Tim, if you get mad at me, just forgive me. God's people would do well to put the news away. Put it away. And people say, oh, no, no, that's where I get informed. Put it away. At least for a time. I have seen it change people for good and for bad. I've seen people be so consumed with it. It changed who they were because they worried all the time about everything. And I've seen people put it away. And, and, and this is the, this is the honest truth. I can tell you who it is if you want to ask me later. He said, Luke, I've heard you preach on putting the news away for so long. And I finally did it. And he said, I've never slept so good. Amen. That is the God's honest truth. When we, I like what Brother Sonny Powell says, when we don't have trouble of our own, we go borrow trouble. Amen. Right. We borrow trouble from all the things we're finding on Facebook and all these other articles and news articles and all these things. We borrow trouble that's not even our own. Right. Look, I got a little place up here with four kids and a wife and I've got my own business. I've got enough things to worry about, right? I've got enough trouble. I don't need to borrow other people's troubles. I beg you, put it away at least for a season. And quit letting and 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 get away. You know, yesterday after yesterday morning, y'all know we have horses. Everybody was still asleep. I got up early. I got on our, one of our horses and I rode for about two or three miles. Just me. No phone. And I got back home and I told Tiffany, I said, sometimes God's people just got to get away from everything. And I enjoyed it so much. I did the same thing yesterday afternoon as the sun set. 
Nobody could get in touch with me. I could not get in touch with anybody. And it was just me and God's creation. And you ought to try it. Take a walk. Put your canoe in the creek and go for a canoe trip, whatever. But get away sometimes because that's the example the Lord set before us. He went into a desert place. Now, that rabbit went farther than I meant for him to. He says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. What in the world does that mean? How do you seek the kingdom of God? If you said, okay, I'm on board, I'll do it. I'm going to seek the kingdom of God. How do you do that? Well, first thing you got to do is understand what the kingdom of God is. Now, listen, the Bible says, and this is one thing I love about the Primitive Baptist Church. Is it's the Bible tells us to study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Now, I appreciate, please don't get me wrong. I appreciate the little booklets that you can pick up almost anywhere, and I and I can't I know there's more than one, but the daily bread is the one I'm thinking about. That has profited God's people, don't get me wrong. But if that is the extent of your exposure to God's word, you are missing some treasures now to open up the daily bread you're going to read a verse and you're going to read a good little life applicable story to that verse right that's good but that's not study the lord said study to show thyself approved and it said we are to rightly divide the word of truth when i came to the primitive baptist church what i loved about them and i've said it before for six months my head spun Like I couldn't, I was like, these guys are using more scripture than I've ever heard. And they're weaving it together in a way that makes sense. And they're pulling scriptures from over here. I've never heard preached on. And they're applying it to what they're saying. And it all makes sense. And I appreciated that so much. So what does the kingdom of God mean? This is another sermon for another day. But the kingdom of God, most people will say this, the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven means an eternal realm and heaven that God has promised to all of his people. Yes and no. That is absolutely one aspect of the kingdom of God. But what else does does the Bible through our study tell us about the kingdom of God? One thing that tells us is it comes not with observation. Listen, I hope I get to see something when I get to heaven. I hope when I get there, there are things that are mind-boggling to me. I want to observe it. But Jesus tells some Pharisees that the kingdom of God cometh not with observation. And he says, it's within you. We also read about the kingdom of God since the days of John the Baptist suffering violence and the violent are taking it by force. I hope I get to heaven and all these wicked, violent people that hate God are not there. I hope I can see it, and I hope there's no violence there. Are you with me? Amen. The Bible also tells me that the kingdom of God is something I've got to press into. But yet the Bible also tells me that my works don't get me to that eternal home and glory. The Bible tells me that my salvation and the salvation of all of God's elect is secure. But yet I find Jesus saying the kingdom of God is taken from you. This is my point. The kingdom of God has got to mean more than an eternal home in heaven. And I've heard old preachers preach many, many times that the right definition for the kingdom of God is wherever God is ruling. 
Wherever he's reigning and wherever he sits on his throne. Now listen, I've said it before and I used this example before. Absalom was a son of the king. He was part of the kingdom of God, but what did he do? He left that kingdom. He left the rule of his father. It didn't turn out too good when he was hanging by the hair of his head from that tree. He probably realized he'd made a mistake. The kingdom of God is wherever God is ruling and reigning. And listen, God can rule and reign in this church. Or man's traditions can rule and reign in this church. God can rule and reign in our mind. Or the powers of darkness can rule in our mind. Now there's an aspect of the kingdom of God that the powers of darkness cannot touch. And that's the eternal home we are hoping and waiting for. But listen, right here, there's a throne sitting in our minds. And the question is, who is sitting on it? Who is sitting on that throne? Because when the Lord is sitting on the throne of our mind, then we're experiencing the kingdom of God. Now let me ask you this. Do you think that our mind and the the powers of darkness in this world can bring a violent onslaught against your mind? Yes. Absolutely. The kingdom of God suffereth violence and the violent take it by force. That throne that sits in your mind is in a constant war of who's going to get to sit on it. Let me give you an example. You ever found yourself in a situation where maybe somebody's done you wrong? Maybe they cut you off in traffic. There's a battle for that, for that throne. Are you going to be merciful, forgiving, patient, and kind? If you are, the Lord is sitting on that throne of your mind. But if you gnash your teeth and you start to honk your horn and sling your finger and maybe say things you know you ought not to say, God's not sitting on that throne. Powers of darkness have sat on that throne. What if you click on the news and all of a sudden here's, the, here's a new article and a new thing that says you ought to be scared to death. Let me tell you something, What I'm, I'm, and it sounds like I'm frustrated I'm not. It's okay to be at peace. It is okay to be settled. You know what? I feel I I caught myself feeling guilty for being settled and at peace during these turmoil times. That's the truth. I found myself feeling guilty because I'm like, look, I, I realize what's going on here, but I just feel a great peace and a great settled mind over it. I shouldn't feel guilty about that. That's what God wanted us to have. God wants you to have that when you're lying on your deathbed, eating up with cancer. That is a tremendous blessing from God to be able to tap into great, a great mindset of peace regardless of our circumstances. When you can do that, God is sitting on the throne of your mind. Jesus says the kingdom of God can be taken from you. You know, it's a blessing for God to rule in our thoughts and our minds. Amen. That's a blessing. And you say, well, why wouldn't the Lord just always pour that out and always give that to us? Because we rebel against him. Do you know why the Lord spoke parables? He didn't speak parables so everybody could understand them. He spoke parables as a, as a judicial chastisement against people who had rebelled against him. So they wouldn't be able to see what he was talking about. That's what a parable is. It was designed to give somebody the mysteries of the kingdom, but to hide them from someone else. The Lord also says, I will give you a spirit of deep sleep and slumber. 
so that you won't have the eyes to see and the ears to hear. Listen, brothers and sisters, I don't want that spirit. I want God to continually through his spirit to enlighten me, to guide me, to give me understanding, to give me knowledge. So I will feel his presence. The last thing I want the Lord to do is put me in a spirit of slumber or to speak when when a way that I will not understand him because I've rebelled against him. I want him sitting on the throne of my mind. Now. The question is, is he ruling In our hearts and minds, how do you seek the kingdom of God? You seek it by doing things that will bring his statutes, his commandments, his ideas, his love to the forefront of your mind. And I'm sorry, but this just won't do it. This will do everything to take him off that throne. It does. I'm sorry that if that's your if that's your funsy, but that's just the truth. This puts him on the throne. This puts him on the throne. And that's what we desperately need as God's people is for him to sit on the thrones of our hearts and our minds ruling the way we think and the way we speak and the way we behave. That's what we need. Seek ye first, but seek ye first the kingdom of God. Are you seeking to do things and to have influences in your life that put him on the throne of your mind? Or are we seeking things to put fear on the throne of our mind or jealousy on the throne of our mind? That's a good one for you young brothers. Hey, listen, when the pretty girl walks down in front of you, who's on the throne of your mind? Something to think about. Listen, that's another reason you can get all kind of stuff right here that's filthy and, and just uh, an abomination to God. And it will make it next to impossible for him to be on the throne of your mind when that pretty girl walks by. Right. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Let me, let me finish with this. One of the verses in the Bible that I, that I hold dear to is commit thy works to the Lord. Amen. And thy thoughts... What are we talking about? The throne of our mind. Commit thy works to the Lord and thy thoughts shall be established. Listen. Here's a a shocker for you. I don't always feel like getting up here and preaching. Brother Tim probably doesn't always feel like getting up here and preaching. I didn't really feel like it this morning. Not because I felt bad. I just, I just... I just didn't feel that fire that I hope that every preacher hopes they have when they walk up into the pulpit. But now I feel like preaching pretty good, right? Because I came up here and I did what I was supposed to do. And I believe that the Lord has blessed my thoughts. You may not feel like getting up and coming to church. Get up and come unless you're sick. If you're just tired and you had a late night, get up and come to church even if you don't feel like it. And you might be surprised when you get here that your thoughts have been established and the Lord was not sitting on the throne of your mind when you were over at your house contemplating on whether to come to church. But you may find when you get here, He's very much on the throne of your mind because you committed your works first and your thoughts came second. Are you with me? Commit your works to the Lord and your thoughts shall be established. But if you commit your works to the powers of darkness, I can guarantee you 
what your thoughts are going to be. And if you don't think that the, that the powers of darkness are not steadily at work, you're naive. The devil is constantly looking for ways to sit on the throne of our mind. He has sat on the throne of my mind way too many hours. And it leaves a bitter, gravelly taste in my mouth when he's sitting there. And when he comes off of it and the Lord steps back up on the throne, the peace that comes from that is such a blessing. And that's what I want. And that's what I hope you have. But sometimes it means we've just got to put aside the old flesh nature and, and commit our works to the Lord even when we don't feel like it. We've got to forgive when we don't feel like it. We've got to turn our eyes away from that maid walking by when we don't feel like doing that. So God can sit on our throne and He can rule and reign in our thoughts. And when you've done that, you are living in the kingdom of God. Amen. And when you're living in the kingdom of God and He's on that throne... All those things that we worry about that I talked to you about. You'll have trouble even finding and remembering what they were. And that's my prayer this morning. That I could continue to let the Lord reign in my thoughts. You can continue to let the Lord reign in your thoughts and in your actions. This church will continue to let the Lord rule and reign in the way it handles one another and the way that our services go and the peace that we have here. I pray that it rules in your homes. I pray that it will rule in our country once again. And I hope that that's been profitable to you. I'm not angry and I'm not mad at you. But I'm passionate about the Lord sitting on the minds of His people. Because I feel like too many times, and I feel like the majority of the times today, it's not Him sitting on the throne of His minds. It's something else.